In an earlier episode of New Jersey Living, the podcast, we covered the topic of buyer beware as it pertains to buyer protections with the inspection contingency. This episode for episode 10, we are going to dive into part two, which is the finance contingency. So I have two of one of my go-to people when it comes to transaction. One is Alana Miles of Miles Law. She's an attorney and Pam Lee with Simplicity. Right. So she's with title and they're going to be able to give some uh, really important and critical insights on the finance contingency and the role of title in the purchase process. So stick around, because particularly if you are a first time buyer or just have not purchased a property in a long, long time, this is going to give you some important insights on the process of what you need to prepare for, what protects you in the process of purchasing a home. So stick around, we're about to dive in now. Welcome to New Jersey Living, the podcast, where we explore all things New Jersey real estate. I'm your host, Corey Jones, a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker, and team leader of the New Jersey Living Group. We're a team of experienced agents who specialize in residential sales in several counties ranging from Bergen County in northern New Jersey to Ocean County down the shore. On this podcast, we will talk to real estate experts, local business owners, community leaders, and town officials to get the inside scoop on various towns in New Jersey. We'll discuss everything from the latest market trends to featured local attractions with dining, recreation, and entertainment. Whether you're a current resident, a prospective buyer, or just curious about New Jersey real estate, we have something for you. So sit back, relax, and join us for a conversation about all things New Jersey living. All right, so welcome to episode 10. Uh, as I said in my intro, we are privileged to have two of my go-to people. We have Alana Miles from Miles Law, and we have Pam Lee of Simplicity. So I'm just going to give them a quick opportunity to give a little intro and whatever background, little summary info that you like to include, ladies, before we dive into uh, the, the meat of the topic today, which is the finance contingency. So I'm going to start with you, Alana. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I am Alana Miles, partner and founder of Miles Law. Uh, we uh, started our firm uh, Juneteenth, of which uh, June 19th of 2020. Prior to that, I was at another law firm and I practiced residential and commercial real estate transactions. Thank you. All right, Pam. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey, and good to see you, Alana. Um, I'm Pam Lee from Simplicity Title. Um, I've been in title for going on six years now in March. Um, before that, I was in real estate for three years, so I know all different aspects of the business, and my goal is to get you guys to the closing table um, seamlessly and without any hiccups. Fantastic. And I can speak for both. They do the job extremely well. These are two individuals I work with significantly throughout my transactions from um, from year to year, month to month, week to week. So we're going to dive into mortgage. Uh, well, we say mortgage contingency, but it, by contract with a language in a contract, I should say, is uh, the uh, either mortgage contingency or finance contingency. So for buyers, we've, as I mentioned earlier, we already talked about the inspection contingency buyers are often very concerned when they are signing all these papers. It's a stressful process. How am I protected? How am I covered? Uh, 
We did dive into, uh, took a deep dive into attorney review, but I'm going to start there just for those who haven't heard that episode. So I'm going to start with you, Alana, just with a little bit of an overview of what attorney review is as it pertains to New Jersey real estate. Uh, And I say that regionally as well, because South Jersey doesn't do that so much as North Jersey. But uh, if you can give a little bit of an overview of what attorney review is and what you're looking to accomplish during that period. Yes. Thank you. Attorney review is a very crucial process specifically in New Jersey and that that is the timeline to uh, and the opportunity to solidify how we're going to govern ourselves in the transaction, right? So uh, we're going to uh, talk about in a, in a moment the financing contingency, but there are a lot of specific contingencies that we would want to negotiate inspections. Uh, you, you talked about on your prior episode, financing conting- contingencies, when we're going to close, if there are any particulars around what happens after closing, um, when, uh, where the closing is going to be, what happens if we miss a timeline, where is the deposit? These are a lot of uh, a lot of factors that are already in the traditional contract of sale, but some of it is not, um, some of it is not solidified, right? And the attorney review process solidifies those terms. So in New Jersey, every traditional contract of sale says a buyer and a seller they have an opportunity to review the contract with an attorney within a three-day time period. So most attorneys, we would do what's called just the, the contract, and then we will send amendments that are favorable to our clients. We might break out of amendments that we see in the traditional contract of sale that may not help our client, and then we'll add in some more amendments that, that might not be in there if the, the contract is a little outdated. Um, and yeah, that's that's you know a snippet of what attorney review is. <laughs> Absolutely. So once we are in attorney review, um, we are really still open for either side to back out as well. That's another component that we mentioned in that previous episode. Seller could say, hey, look, I have another offer. I really like that offer much better. I'm going to move a different direction or, hey, buyer, can you match it? Or a buyer may not like uh, some terms or some aspects of the the deal and choose to back out and there's no consequence there. So there's still that period on both sides that they could still chooses to terminate and walk away. Right. And it's um, important to note that in New Jersey, your timelines won't start until you conclude attorney review. So it's really important, you know, sometimes title companies, inspectors, et cetera, um, when we send them the documents, they ask first, is this under contract? Because they also understand that deals can fall through an attorney review and then, you know, no one wants to really waste time. And that's a great segue. So I'm going to jump over to Pam, because once we conclude attorney review, we are now under contract. All right. So we're under contract title at that point in time gets involved. We have some other pieces that are happening in the background as well, such as buyer inspection, which we already addressed that in a previous episode. And appraisal is going to be ordered at that time as well. So we'll jump back to Alana on that appraisal piece. But let's jump into Pam's uh, involvement at this point. So we've just gone into under contract, Pam, just give us an overview of what titles uh, process is at that point in time. Yeah. So um, once I get the go ahead from Alana uh, or the real estate attorney, I will order the title searches. So now what we do in the title searches is we go um, to the county. Well, we don't, but our searchers do. We make sure that there are no liens or defects on title. Um, My title examiner will then go through um, all of the reports create a commitment, which is like a book report, um, and then let everyone know like what is outstanding, what's, you know, what needs to be cleared up. And then now that gets sent to everyone, the lender, um, both attorneys and um, 
that's when everyone will start working on um, clearing any any defects that might be on there. And um, and then we go into settlement too. So that is a, the money aspect. Um, so that's when my team uh, is in touch with the lender to work out numbers or maybe just directly with the attorney if it's a cash deal. Um, and then from there, we we bring into the closing table. But I think now I'm jumping ahead because it does happen all simultaneously. And it's so many moving parts, um, but that's pretty much title the title company's role in the transaction. So for those people who have no idea what a defect or what concern that there may be that title is looking for, give us some scenarios where these are some problems that title is looking to catch during that process. Yeah. So. Um, construction lien right so that would be when uh the seller has done work on the property didn't pay the contractors didn't you know um and then they the contractors would then uh put a lien on the property to get their money back when the seller goes to sell their home um another lien would be um, an irs lien so if you don't pay if the seller hasn't paid their taxes that would be another uh defect on title um, got it yeah and uh, that is in a similar vein as when we're talking Oprah reports, uh, which we did not delve into a lot in that prior Buyer Beware uh, episode. Um, and Alana, I'm gonna skip back to you on that one because that's something that uh, attorneys and realtors are more involved in than title as it pertains to Oprah. So uh, Alana, if you can just give a little detail why it's important to have an Oprah and what we're looking for when when an Oprah report, well, first, what is an Oprah? Because people just know Oprah by <laughs> Winfrey, right? So um, what is Oprah and what are we looking for? Yes, Oprah, not to be confused with with Winfrey, is <laughs> yeah. uh, known as the Open Public Records Act, right? So every municipality has a requirement to share public records with whoever asks for them. So uh, the with the Open Public Records Act, we really want to know what defects are, are on the property that won't that won't necessarily affect title, but will affect the home, right? So whether there are any open permits, a lot of times we'll ask about tax assessments, whether there's been any recent assessments when the last time the property was assessed. Uh, we will wanna know about any sewer issues. Um, the most common though, I would say are open permits because we will know what to expect later down the line when the seller has to satisfy their obligations um, and whether they pull the necessary permits that they were supposed to pull for the work that was done anyway. Important point, because there's times where we have a property, has a finished basement, basement looks lovely, has a bathroom down there. And just doing the Oprah, we find that there was never any permits, right? So the work was done and not permitted. It doesn't have to be a basement necessarily. I just give that as an example. But uh, there are certain improvements done on a property that may not have been done uh according to code, or even if it wasn't done according to code, it wasn't permitted through the town where it was approved, right? So that's why it's a very significant piece uh, in the process. All right, so going back to you, Pam, going back to uh, the end the title piece, uh, a lot of buyers who are first time process that they're involved in and buying a home, or I even have a lot of international clients as well, who they've purchased property in other countries, but never here in the US. And the question becomes about, um, you know, payouts, who they pay at closing are like concerned with who do I have to pay what when it comes to closing and just give a little bit of an overview of what closing looks like and how title facilitates that process. Yeah, um, I did actually want to get into what title insurance is really quickly. Oh, yes, absolutely. Just, just 101, a couple sentences about it. So there is an owner's title policy, which protects you, the home buyer, right? And then there's the lender's policy, which covers 
the lender, right? Which is the mortgage amount. Um, a lot of times you'll see optional on the closing disclosure, and that's because the lender doesn't require it. But it's, you know, Alana can say, like, she wouldn't close um, a transaction with letting the buyer not get title insurance. Um, and so. And explain the importance, because, you know, some yeah. people hear it, but they're not understanding clearly, maybe. Right. What right. title insurance protects you against? Um, it, it protects you against fraud, right? Anything. Um, so, like, let's say there was a lien on the property that wasn't cleared and it was just showing up. Um, it wasn't showing up at the time that the searchers were there, but it came up later. It would be um, the homeowner would be able to file a claim with the title company to cover that. So let's say um, someone wasn't removed properly from ownership prior, and you know this person, the home buyer, now didn't get title insurance. If they came to the property and said, "I actually own you know fifty percent of this property," um, that would be covered in the title insurance. Right. Um, and as opposed to other title insurances, um, title insurance protects from the time that you purchase and before. OK, as opposed to home insurance or health insurance that would protect you um, from the time that you purchase the insurance moving forward. Yeah. So right. that's just something to keep in mind. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I hope that's a little more clear for everyone. Yes. Yes. Uh, because this is the first time if you've never purchased a home. Uh, title insurance is something that you never would have really engaged in, right? Unless you worked in title yourself. And sometimes um, buyers think that um, it's not. I, I tell clients that it's required, but sometimes you'll see on the closing disclosure where it says in parentheses optional. And I tell my clients why it's really not optional. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes they have to utilize their insurance policy, but we always explain that it's a one-time fee and it gives you a protection that that you really you 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 really wish you would have in the event that something you know something tragic happens. And I've experienced that as well, where clients are grateful they have they have their insurance policy because prior lenders now want their home because foreclosure matters were were yes. stuff like that. So just and to you know. never know if you could be that rare case. Right. Exactly. Never know. And as Lana mentioned, it's one time. So it's not a add on to your monthly mortgage. Mm -hmm. Nothing that you're paying out of pocket again, you know, annually or quarterly or anything like that. So definitely well worth it. Um, so, Pam, coming back to you again. Yeah. Coming back um, to the initial question. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so what does the closing process look like? Um, yeah. So by the time that you get to the closing table, um, your attorney or the title company, someone would have communicated what to bring as far as your cash to close. Um, sometimes, honestly, that happens at the last minute, like hours before closing. And that's something just just that's something to just set your expectations for, because there are so many moving parts that like numbers change by the day. You know, the closing um, date is typically a moving target. So um, there are just a lot of things up in the air that would change these numbers. Um, so just coming with a personal checkbook is important, too. So let's say, you know, you have a number, then something changes last minute and now you owe a couple hundred, you know, up to 2000 is when we would take a personal check. Um, and then or there are other times when you get money back. So it's like you know, these numbers change. Um, and then right. so at the closing table, I, the notary, uh, would be going through the documents with you. You know, the attorney is there to help, you know, clarify any legal questions that you might have. Um, but for the most part, these loan documents are just 
you know, very standard documents that just need to be signed anyway. So I do prepare a lot of these buyers. Like if you want the house, you're going to have to sign anyway. So let's just move forward and start signing. Right. Um, but usually I feel like lately most lenders do send the buyers a copy of their um, closing documents. Um, even if it's not e-signed, like people, buyers usually come to the table with a little bit more, um, more of an idea of what they're about to sign. Um, but typically it's just a lot of CYA docs to um, protect the lender from any lawsuits. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and much of what is paid is paid out at, you know, it's not though the buyer is going to be writing 10 different checks because of all these different payouts that are due. Exactly. Right? That's exactly. So that's our job, right. To make sure that everyone gets, gets paid properly, that the taxes are paid. So you clean, you start off with a clean slate. Um, no liens from taxes being unpaid. Uh, we pay the seller's mortgage off. If there was a mortgage left, we pay the realtors. We pay the survey company. We pay everyone, essentially. So you, yes. you, the buyer brings one check and we pay everyone. So with payment, much of that payment is coming out because a mortgage was obtained. All right. So for cash transactions, let's put that aside because there's no finance contingency, mortgage contingency at all. So jumping back to you, Alana, can explain to us what the mortgage contingency is all about and how the buyer is protected should there be issues on the financing side yes so the mortgage contingency is very very important um and i also stress to agents because i know agents also view your podcast that being as truthful as possible in the mortgage contingency in the contract is really important um obviously especially to the attorney um and then as well with with title because there's a lot of cru there's a couple of crucial um components in the mortgage contingency and then in a moment we can talk about appraisal specifically because i like to spend yes. time on that as well so within the mortgage contingency we want to know how many how much time did we guarantee the seller side that we will um that we can have to get it to get their mortgage in right so the general timeline should there not should we not give any time frame is 30 days to get a mortgage commitment and within that time frame the buyer is submitting whatever financing requirements they have to their lender and then the lender is guaranteeing that they will give a commitment or not now if a commitment is not provided within 30 days we will either the seller will either have an option to terminate we always require that if they do terminate that means that the buyer re receives their deposit or we request an extension or it might be the case that the lender does not finance the loan and they provide a denial letter now the other crucial component to the financing contingency aspect of the contract though is what type of financing they are using right sometimes it'll um the options could be an fha loan or a conventional loan or a 203k loan sometimes you'll see uh, a a an item that says cash slash hard money. And I tell clients, if, you, if you're using a hard money lender, you're not using cash. So there still might be a component there where you're working with a lender. And we and I would need to know that because I would need to know what type of protections um, I need to keep in the contract in case the hard money lender doesn't come through because you really don't have cash if you're relying on someone else to give you right. to give you the, mo the, the money. Um, if, if a buyer is using a conventional loan and then switches to a FHA loan, for example, I always let them know that that is a material element to the contract. So I would need to know that there are certain reasons why a seller may or may not uh, want to use a an FHA buyer. One of the main reasons being if they recently flipped 
the home and the timeline doesn't doesn't align with with the FHA guidelines. So those right. are those are some um, some crucial components to the financing contingency. And if would you would you like me to talk about the appraisal contingency? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So the appraisal contingency is 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 a is an add on that we'll see a lot in uh, section forty two of the contract special provisions. And sometimes it'll you'll see language where it might say buyer waves appraisal or buyer waves appraisal with a gap of 20K or up to 10K, et cetera. What I always explain to my clients is that you really can't waive the appraisal and appraisal is a requirement from the lender. So every lender- Gonna happen. Yeah, every lender does an appraisal. What waiving appraisal means is that regardless of what an appraiser say that says that the house is um, valued at, you you agree to proceed with the contract at the price that you guaranteed this. Which means you may you may have to come out of pocket. So I always ask them how much money they have in the bank, right? I call this I call the agent and I say, hey, did you do comps? Like, are we sure are we sure this is going to happen? You know, and I'm I'm about to drop some gems. Actually, should I say this on on broadcast? No, we can talk about it. We can talk about it at your first time home buyers event, though. So let's okay. everyone to come so be there. That's a quick plug. <laughs> so Alana's giving a heads up. We do have an event coming up in January, late January. We'll be in, in touch with that. But yeah, yes. go ahead. So make sure you come out to the to the first time home buyers event and we can talk about how how we can still protect you with waivers. But um if there is a, an appraisal waiver, we always we always explain what that means to the buyer, right? Um, and then I want to know who the lender is because I also want to get on the phone with them and I want to see how fast they can do the appraisal, what that might mean in terms of denying the loan if they don't, um, you know, if they don't have the funds, um, what waiving, what what waiving up to a cap means. So hey, you said that you will waive up to twenty thousand dollars, but you said you only have five thousand dollars in your account. So right. do you understand what the risk may mean? Um, and and that's but that but that is a, a special provision that I see a lot, especially now with the market where clients will will waive. Got it. Yeah. In this market, it has been very uh, competitive. The rate increases has reduced the level of competition. Uh, but where we are right now, because we're recording right now in December, uh, the market tends to slow down anyway. But still, with low inventory. Uh, buyer pool has shrank, but there's still some competition on those prime properties that are move-in ready. So you still find people coming in, coming over ask, and really trying to entice sellers by saying, hey, I will waive the contingency. Not waiving, as Alana said, that does not mean waiving the appraisal because the lender does not care what you say about you know an appraisal being waived or not in terms of them doing it. They are going to do it. So the appraisal will be performed. It's just a matter of, is there a large enough cash reserve in your bank account to cover any gap if there is a gap, right? And that's why Alana saying it's important to understand what the comps, what's going on in the marketplace. Does it appear as though it will appraise at that above ask value or close to it so that the buyer is prepared? And I tell every client in that circumstance, be prepared for the worst. We're going to hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst case scenario, right? Um, so that those are some important pieces, but the big picture of the finance contingency as Alana was giving that outline is that buyers are protected in the event where that financing does not pan out. Uh, they are not able to obtain mortgage. Um, there's been cases where someone loses a job and obviously if you lose a job, lender is not going to approve, right? Because that, that income source now is no longer there. So, uh, there are absolutely protections, both in terms of the value of that home. 
if that does not check out on the appraisal, if there's no waiver, of course, but the value turns out to be $25,000 lower than what you offered, there is that option. And Alon, just speak to this really quickly too, before we uh, start to you know uh, conclude here. If in the event, there's no waiver, buyer didn't waive at all, offered 600,000 on a property because it was listed at 600,000, appraisal comes in at 575. So what are the options moving forward from there when it under appraised? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. That's a great question. Myself and most attorneys will, will include a provision in our attorney review letter that states that if the property does not appraise, we reserve the right to renegotiate the contract price down to the appraised value, right? So, um, and then I, I explain, you know, what the appraisal is. If the property does appraise, we, we don't have to let the seller know what the value is. All we have to do is let them know that it, that it appraised. Um, sometimes what might happen is that the property appraises with what's called with conditions or subject to repairs. And we'll have to let them know, hey, the property appraised for value. However, the lender requires these repairs in order to, to pass. Um, and sometimes they might ask for the actual report. And sometimes we'll just send them the sections that says what the repairs are. Now, if it appraises for less than the value, we, we are required to give them the report so that they know for proof that they that, that to show yes. that they actually didn't. Correct. And then in most instances, depending on how low it appraised and even... And even actually, I just had one where the property under appraised by 60K and the seller wow. and the seller agreed to reduce the price, which okay. I, I thought we weren't going to have a deal. So that was my praise God deal for them. For yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> really. They actually agreed. Um, they actually agreed to reduce the price. Um, so, um, yeah. And, then, you know, it, and, I, and I think in that case, they they may have understood that the the buyer over offered by a lot. So it got it. To reduce got the, it. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. And so before we conclude, there's one last point I wanted to bring up uh, for Pam, uh, because I have had buyers did not get too overexcited about um, in terms of the identity uh, searches as well. So there's there's background on the names and just give us a little bit of uh, an insight on that, because buyers eventually they are a, a list of any kind of judgments or what have you that are presented and say, hey, we just need to understand, are you any of these people, right? So just give a little insight there on what buyers can expect with uh, that kind of background on their name and identity. Yeah, you're talking about the Patriot search, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, you know, we run a search and I've had um, buyers contact me directly, like, you obviously know this isn't me, why would you send it to me? It's just part of the process. So we pull, um, pull any judgments, to, um, we do a search on to see if there is any judgments on the names. Any names that are similar will come up too. All you have, all the buyer really has to do is look through them, and then we cross-reference their social, and we say that it's not them. Um, so a lot of times, when it's you have a common name, that stack is going to be hundreds of pages. Yeah. You know, Pamela Lee will probably come back with a good amount, um, right. or Corey Jones, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just part of the process. We have to just make sure that your name is clear, um, just like we're making sure that the property and the seller's names are clear. Got it. Yeah. And and again, that doesn't cause a lot of excitement, but it's, it startles some initially. Like what? Yeah, like, no, yeah. it's just it's like, verifying that none of you, right? Exactly. And then you would sign right. what they call an affidavit of title, um, which clears your name and make sure that, you know, your name is clear, the, the seller's, uh, the title is clear. Got it. Got it. All right. So, ladies, thanks again for joining. I, I want each of you just to let our audience know really quick what's the best way to contact you or 
somehow uh, connect with you for your services. I'll start with you, Alana. Yes, you can find me on all social media platforms at Miles Law LLC. And my website is mileslawllc.com and you can get all of my contact information there. Okay, fantastic. What about you, Pam? Uh, you could find me on Instagram at Pam, the title agent. No underscores, just Pam, the title agent. Okay, fantastic. All right, so I want to, again, thank you all for offering this time. I, I You're busy. I know uh, you have things going on every day. Uh, very much appreciate uh, those insights. We have an event, as Alana mentioned, for those who are in the general Union County, even Essex County, a uh, little bit of... Uh, a uh, little bit of Middlesex as well, probably for where we're going to be, because we're going to be in Plainfield, New Jersey uh, next month. So you'll see some more of this on social media. But just take tabs if you're listening right now. We do have an event coming up pretty soon. Uh, it's going to be at a, on a Saturday at Queen City Roasters in Plainfield. So thanks, ladies. We will see each other very soon. I uh, want to wish everyone Happy New Year, of course. And stay safe and stay tuned to New Jersey Living, the podcast. Bye. Yes, thanks, Corey. Bye. Bye.